Trade Square is Australia's first business-to-business marketplace connecting people, brands and organisations into this diverse ecosystem in a unique global landscape. Through pivoting, transforming and reshaping, Australian businesses have an opportunity to create the model for the future that aligns with the world's needs and leveraging the power of a collaborative approach. Through the Trade Square podcast, we will bring together dynamic, diverse and thought-provoking leaders from business, government and organisations to have conversations to further enable new thinking for the future. Welcome to Trade Square, where we are focused on enabling Australian small business growth. I'm Catherine Vandermeulen and joining me today is Bill Lang, the Director of Small Business Australia. How are you? Yeah, uh, very well, thanks, Catherine. Great to be chatting today. Alison, who is Bill Lang? I look at a personal level, I've been involved in small business and big business uh, as a uh, business starter, owner and advisor from uh, my days at university when I, uh, with a couple of mates, we used to sell hot dogs out the front of pubs through to a career in uh, international management consulting and some time at Harvard doing my MBA and then uh, being involved in a number of uh, technology startups. But then in recent years, working with, with many thousands of small business owners on helping them uh, chart a path uh, and then implement uh, the key steps to have more profitable, more sustainable businesses so they have more success with less stress. What does profitability and sustainability mean in a small business world in 2021, do you think? Oh, look, I think they mean this, the same things as they've always meant. Uh, so when I talk about profitability, that there's a level of predictable positive cash flow to meet um, you know, whatever the lifestyle and investment requirements of the business owner are. In many small businesses, the owner is the investor and is operating the business and outside of uh, running and building that business has a certain need for personal income to look after themselves, their family or whatever. So it's about uh, positive cash flow and, and having a level that uh, you believe is adequate for your needs and, and gives you a reasonable return on your effort, your stress. Uh, and the money that you've got tied up in the business, not to mention the opportunity cost of, of not doing something else. Sustainability, I'm not really talking about environmental sustainability when I use that word, but but it's really predictability that the, the products and services that the business is offering, the way the business operates itself, uh, you know, is keeping up to date with uh, changing customer needs, their preferences. So, you know, you can attract new customers, you can keep your current customers coming back. Um, and so that you can, you know, have that peace of mind that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, future weeks, future months, there is some some predictability uh, and some certainty around the cash flow coming into the business. So really all about that sustainable organisation design to really stay in business, not only about the sustainability of the environment, but the sustainability of the organisation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that starts with, of course, customers and understanding what is value for customers and ensuring that you are offering and that they're aware that you're offering superior value through to who you've got working in the business with you as employees or contractors or distributors who's providing you with technology enablement and platforms. And another important part of it is, of course, the owner, that the owner's you know, well-being, their own sort of mental health, uh, the fire in the belly, uh, you know, is all on the positive side as opposed to on the negative side. And so tell us about Buy Local Small Business Australia. Yeah, look, at the start of the pandemic, <clears throat> it became very obvious uh, to the team at Small Business Australia and our many members that we would need a, um, a real focus around encouraging 
our customers to be more confident and to support their local small businesses. Uh, so there's a couple of elements to buy local. One is uh, keeping well. Uh, so ensuring that the citizens, the customers, the employees, and all of us as individuals are uh, understand are consistently doing the two or three key behaviours that uh, stop people uh, you know, getting the virus and spreading the virus. Uh, so we call that keeping well. And then the second component, of course, then is buying local. And increasingly, that's not just about uh, going and visiting face-to-face with local businesses, but many have now got themselves online. Uh, they've always had telephones. Uh, many are now offering delivery services, but but getting out and supporting those hearts and souls of your local community, which are the small business owners. And, you know, over and above the, we always hear the motherhood statement around being the economic engine room of the economy. And in the case of Australia, 5 million people earn their living as a result of small businesses. But just as important is the fact that these small business owners are the hearts and souls of local communities because they're the businesses that are providing, you know, the prizes for the school fundraiser and the trivia night. They're the ones sponsoring the local rugby club or the local cricket club. Uh, they're often the you know, key volunteers in the local uh, community organisation. So it's important to have those businesses uh, make it through the pandemic, uh, not just in terms of employment, but in terms of that vital role they play in local communities. So with Buy Local, uh, we then teamed up with very large companies, the biggest companies in Australia that support the majority of small businesses in Australia, brands like National Australia Bank, like Telstra, like Australia Post, like Snap Design and Printing, uh, and to work with them to make available at no cost helpful educational resources, marketing resources, uh, messaging and special offers to help local businesses attract their local customers, save money on staying in business uh, and start the journey uh, with respect to becoming a more digital business. And if we think about those small business owners, how have resilient, dynamic and resourceful individuals like those owners played a key role in working towards transforming Australian businesses? Well, look, uh, as uh, any small business owner listening uh, to this interview would know, you're always thinking about your business. So uh, even though um, the government here talked about the need to hibernate your business, you were always thinking about the business and then what might change? Would they be going back to the old normal? Um, you know, we ran at Small Business Australia with our partners a whole series of webinars and they're all available for free for people to watch, but around the really the survival steps and then the reinvention. Uh, and so many of them, uh, you know, very quickly started to get a sense of, well, what can they do from a digital infrastructure point of view? Uh, you know, the, the hardest hit businesses have been those that have relied upon the physical presence of a customer uh, or, or rely upon a lot of customers being in uh, you know, a concentrated physical area. And many of them, unfortunately, had not adopted uh, up until now a bunch of digital technologies. They didn't have a list of who their customers were and their names and their email addresses and their telephone numbers because they had competed primarily upon location uh, and offering, you know, good quality service uh, and value products and services in a pre-COVID world. So uh, we've seen many, many, um, you know, quickly make the journey in some cases, quickly um, adapt. Um, You know, we've seen, you know, businesses in the distilling industry find short-term new markets with respect to making hand sanitizer. 
Uh, we've found others that uh, have gone from being high-end restaurants to very quickly becoming, you know, local produce distribution businesses. We've seen a number create, you know, fantastic delivery service and sort of ready-to-cook or ready-to-prepare meals from restaurants. So we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, very sort of um, innovative, flexible, adaptive behaviour. And, of course, it is small business people that are closest to their customers compared to big businesses and are able to make decisions and make changes quickly. Thinking about the word that you just mentioned around innovation, how do you think small businesses can really adopt innovation? And not just obviously from a technology perspective, but obviously innovation in their business models or innovation in their people strategies. Where do you see the most opportunity for innovation? Look, I I think, um, you know, we think about sort of any business having the most basic level five processes. We call them the big five. There's marketing. That's the stuff, the decisions you make and the stuff you do to attract inquiries from your target market. Then we've got the sales process, converting the inquiry into a paying customer. Now you've got the paying customer. The third process is delivery and fulfillment. Whatever you've promised in terms of what they've bought and they're expecting, ensuring it gets delivered, whether that's a product or whether that's a service. Now you have a customer, you need to build a relationship. So the fourth big big of the big five is relationship management. And then sitting underneath that are operational processes or operations, whether that's finance, payroll, property, core IT infrastructure, et cetera. So when we think of, when I use that word innovation, I'm really saying, well, let's think about the big five. What's changed from the customer's perspective and their needs and which of these areas do you need to change? So in the process areas of particularly marketing and sales, they need to be much more digitally enabled. If you look at operations, you know, let's say if you're in the retail type business and you, you have to buy products and services, you know, there's a lot of innovation happening there now in terms of how you can go about doing that digitally. And it's you know, one of the exciting things about Trade Square and what it's going to bring to, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of small businesses uh, in Australia, particularly outside of the capital cities. This incredible ability now to have access to a much bigger range at their fingertips, uh, really convenient so that they can offer, you know, much better value proposition to their end customers. And so something that you are truly passionate about, that you are championing to the government, whether that's been in the past or whether that's something that you've got humming along in the background for the future, what's something that's top of mind that you would really like to champion? Yeah, look, we've created a concept called uh, Digital Business Cadets, uh, and uh, in the next few weeks we'll be formally launching it, and it sort of goes along those lines. There are many business owners that are a bit older, a bit older like me, and have had very successful businesses pre-COVID. But now COVID has hit and there's an enormous need to become digitally savvy and digitally savvy quickly. That's not just with respect to the use of digital tools, but the process of selecting digital service providers, getting those tools then implemented, getting staff trained to use them to maximize the value of them. So we've got a bunch of business owners that need more digital business acumen. And we've got a bunch of young people that sadly are facing uh, you know, longer periods of unemployment. There's a range of industries that they used to work in, in terms of hospitality and events and recreational services, have really been hit and have, gonna, and have had to downsize with respect to the impact of the pandemic. Now, they're very digitally literate. Uh, at least my, uh, my millennial children uh, believe they're funny with some of the memes that they share on Instagram. But they know a lot about how to use the technology, but they don't know a lot about business. So the Digital Business Cadets uh, initiative is around combining uh, potentially people underemployed that are digitally savvy and having them learn some business acumen by working with experienced business owners 
that are lacking on the digital acumen point of view. So putting one plus one together to equal three, and you know, we talked to the government about making almost a new form of apprenticeship and traineeship available or providing some incentives to facilitate uh, this taking place. And, you know, we have hundreds of young people that want to be the digital business cadets and we're finalising a training program around that now. And, of course, we've got hundreds and hundreds of small business owners that want some arms and legs to help them get these digital solutions implemented. So now thinking about those digital solutions and the combination of the physical and obviously the digital, and we've been coining a phrase fidgetal to create growth for organisations. How are you being, how are you seeing Australian businesses bridge the gap between those two? Well, I suppose we can think about businesses in, you know, in a couple of uh, sort of sectors. We've got those that involve physical products and services, people buying them, then getting them delivered, then they might need servicing. So, you know, whether that's an automobile, whether that's apparel, uh, whether it's a gift. So, physical goods businesses, and then we've got services businesses. And those services may or may not involve the need for the service provider to uh, physically see or lay their hands on customers or in the case of, you know, the healthcare area on patients. So you've got to start with breaking that apart. Then you, when you go back and look at those big five processes now, you know, we've got a great uh, tech company here in Australia in the allied health area called Veld. Uh, they had already been developing something called Telehab so that you could do rehab uh, exercises at home via a smartphone. You not only could you watch them, but then it would film you uh, doing them and then automatically uh, your physiotherapist could access that file and then give you some feedback and ensure that you were doing doing them the right way and doing them on the right frequency, et cetera. Now, COVID hit. They've now got customers giving it away uh, to physiotherapists around the world. They've got customers in 96 countries. Now, had we talked to the average physiotherapist before COVID and mandated uh, you know, delivery through these sorts of mechanisms, they would not have believed that that was, was capable. Now, you can look at nearly every product and service and if it's involved physical interaction, you have to ask yourself the question, what elements of that now can happen from a digital point of view? So, of course, marketing, of course, sales, uh, of course, the core operational processes, taking payments, organizing shipping, all of those sorts of things. Uh, but uh, so, so, so you take that for granted. And, and, you know, here in Australia, I think we've got, I saw some research just last week that literally, you know, 45% of small business owners are saying they're going to invest money and effort in the coming 12 months on improving the use of digital solutions in their business. But I think there are still some areas there where there might be some you know, business owners and in terms of what they do, they still they can't see how they could do what they used to do in this new world. And, and I would uh, encourage them to start thinking about how could technology or how could the service be redesigned in a way where more of it could happen potentially virtually. The third dimension of this, of course, which is incredibly exciting is that every small business now, in our view, can be an exporter. You're no longer limited to the geographic location of where you're at, unless perhaps you've got super fresh food that must be consumed within sort of 30 minutes of it being made available. But beyond that now, most services can be exported, particularly business services, uh, professional services. You know, you've got a global marketplace. You know, leveraging platforms like Shopify and others, you know, Australia has a great brand. You know, our brand uh, equity amongst international people is only going to rise. They've always seen us as being friendly, great place to visit, having very clean food, a great environment. So brand Australia, particularly given our performance during the pandemic versus other countries, is only going to strengthen. So that's the other big opportunity is around 
Uh, you know, you might physically do the packaging or the sourcing of the product uh, down in Australia, but you can market it globally, uh, digitally, and and tap into global opportunities. And what's one hot topic around the boardroom table at Small Business Australia that you know everyone is really getting behind? Well, look, a major issue uh, in terms of our leadership and looking at the research coming in from our members is what forms of ongoing support are needed for businesses where the customers effectively by law have dried up. So travel agencies is a good example. Australians aren't going overseas and may not be going overseas for the foreseeable future. But that was an industry with 4,000 independent small business owners that didn't earn any new revenue in 2020. Um, and have spent the whole year looking to get people refunds and are on the verge of having uh, some small levels of government support fully withdrawn. Uh, and so we've got some industry sectors like that where across the, the full number of small businesses in Australia, there are still a few hundred thousand that in the next 60 to 90 days may have to close for good. And if that is the case, if they do need to close because there is no demand for their products and services, we want to ensure a couple of things. One is that there are no implications, no bankruptcy-related implications that are brought against these business owners who, through no fault of their own, have had to go out of business. And that secondly, uh, because they're quick learners, because they're self-starters, because you know they're hands-on, uh, to provide support, whether that's from an educational training, coaching perspective, uh, or in some other area to help these business owners get going again in something else. Because the reality is, Catherine, that you know small business owners are made, they're not born. So we need to keep these people going because they are going to be uh, some of the great innovators in terms of pursuing the new opportunities that things like COVID has created. And so what do you think economic freedom looks like in Australia this year? Uh, economic and freedom. Well, I think about it from an individual's point of view, and uh, people, you know, will often ask us, well, "What do we mean by success?" And I think, you know, success is being able to spend as much time as you can using the skills you love using, um, interacting with people uh, that you care about, uh, and related to a cause, product, or service that you're passionate about, and being able to generate enough financial security to meet whatever your lifestyle goals are. So, for me, you know, the economic side of things is around being able to generate that level of income in the way you would like to do it with a level of stress, uh, the amount of time and energy that you need to put into it, and to having as much freedom as possible as to how you go about doing that, uh, ensuring that you're complying with uh, with all the laws of the land uh, and uh, doing good by the customers and by the market and paying your taxes. And if we're thinking about, say, three or five years ahead, and we're looking back on the last few years and we're looking back through a lens of small business in Australia, what do you think small business looks like in the years to come? Look, based, uh, you know, if we assume that things like the pandemic uh, will be controlled, but we'll have you know, the need for ongoing vaccinations and things, and of course we'll have seared into our memory uh, the impact of lockdowns and the changes in consumer behaviour and the livelihoods that were destroyed. And of course, the lives that have been lost and some people uh, with COVID uh, that have recovered, but will have ongoing issues that they'll need to deal with with their personal health. So I think we're going to have a level of um, sensitivity to how quickly things can change uh, due to you know biological related agents. Now, I think we're already seeing a greater sensitivity now to what the implications of global warming will be. So I think there's there's a few things that that means from a small business point of view that, you know, increasingly looking at uh, businesses that are not asset intensive, 
that don't necessarily require the need to commit to long-term leases and the use of lots of property. We're, we're going to see more and more a movement towards asset light related businesses that you get involved with. And of course, with the cloud and the internet, there's so many things now. There's never a better time in, in the history of economics and the world to start a business than what there is now. So we're going to see a lot of new entrepreneurs come in because literally everything you need, you can rent on the internet now, whether it's a CRM system, whether it's someone to help you with digital marketing. You know, the only limit is your creativity and your persistence to, you know, find and validate a market with some customers and to develop that market. So I think we're going to see a lot of smaller, you know, almost totally digital-related uh, businesses, and we're going to see groups of people coming together with different skill sets, almost like you see actors and producers and directors come together in terms of a Hollywood movie. That There'll be projects and opportunities that, that people will pursue. And I think the third area will be, and we're already seeing this uh, in terms of some projects that I'm involved with, you know, some very large companies looking to tap into that uh, entrepreneurial skill set and mindset of bringing the best of small into the best of big uh, to come up with the best of best. And finally, Bill, what's your call for action from the Trade Square community? Oh, look, I, I think uh, everyone, you know, think local, uh, buy local. Uh, support those local businesses. Um, you know, if, if you're involved in Trade Square, uh, you're already well on the journey of becoming a much more digitally savvy business. Uh, if you're able to afford it economically and you can pay a little bit more for a local product, think about the broader contribution you're making to your local community, to the local village that you're in. But uh, again, for you know, Trade Square is a, a great initiative. It's going to be incredibly successful because it's going to enable businesses to offer much more to their customers in the ways they want it offered. Uh, it's going to help them access things that uh, in terms of you know minimum order quantity and those sorts of things that haven't been easy to access in the past. And I think we'll see the emergence of you know new trading relationships between wholesalers and retailers uh, that will further deliver more value ultimately to the end customer and consumer, but for everybody who's involved in that chain. Well, Bill, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge with TradeSquare. Thanks for the opportunity, Catherine. For more information on TradeSquare, head to www.tradesquare.com.au and support Australian business economic recovery and growth with a collaborative approach to the future of business. Thank you.